Thinner Logs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy grounded in shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Hey everybody, my name is Eric Garneau, and this is part two of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories June podcast, which features the theme Fellowship. And speaking of fellowship, you've got one weekend left to get to the Public House Theater and see Lord of the Wrigley, the Fellowship of the Cubs, the Nerdalogs' latest sketch show, which is playing this Friday and Saturday at 8pm, and then closing Sunday at 2 forever. If you haven't caught it yet, you should. It's tons of fun, and it's gotten some really great reviews, so you'll probably enjoy it. For tickets and more info on the show, go to www.nerdalogs.com. Uh, but anyway, we're here on this podcast to share some stories, and this month we've got guests from the wonderful Cake Chicago, also known as the Chicago Alternative Comics Expo, as well as Nerdalogs members, local comedians, and great friends. This episode, you'll hear from Shelby Mongan, Jesse Nicholas, Chris Crotwell, Beth Hetland, and Chris Geiger and Kevin Reeder, plus the usual music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and Claire Friedman. Uh, since I already got our plugs out of the way, I just want to mention that you can always check out the other Sweet Nerdalogs podcast if you're looking for something to listen to, including the Nerdalogcast, MBSing with Mary Beth Smith, and Talking Games with Tim and Clayton. And if you like this particular show a lot, you can come to the next live Your Stories recording on Sunday, July 20th. Uh, more info on that will follow next episode, so for now, just keep following us online and uh, enjoy! We're going to do a double shot of Chris Cornell, because Chris Cornell has made some friends, and he tends to be in bands that are made up of other famous people. So, in this first song, the role of Chris Cornell will be played by Dwight Hassler. Yeah! You ready? Put that down. On a cobweb afternoon in a room by freeway I confess I was lost in the pages of a book full of death reading how we'll die alone and if we're good we'll lay to rest anywhere we want to go Heaven to a place I recall 
We gotta find some way to do the solo. And Dwight's like, I got a way, but it's kind of weird. Oh, you guys, uh, if you were here for about an hour before the show, uh, we were playing with that a lot. <laughs> so if you need anything auto tuned, sit after the show. <laughs> because we will do it. <laughs> so in this song, the role of Chris Cornell will be played by Claire Friedman. And returning. To the role he made famous on such covers as Drive All Night, Dwight Hassler as Eddie Vedder.
Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. only get one Chris Cornell at most, but we had two. <laughs> Claire and Dwight, thanks guys. Okay, stories! We're here for stories. Yay. This next speaker hasn't been here in a bit. She's been in Ohio for some reason. Yeah, I, yeah right? Ohio Boo, Shelby, you suck. You Shelby suck, Shelby. Shelby is back, guys. Woo! Still waiting on my royalty check from being a nerdalog. Honorary nerdalog. <laughs> Us too. I'm going to stand because I don't like sitting. Um, You're not all negative money. Wait, does that mean I owe you guys money? Shit. Yes. So, this is a story about my best friend. And it starts, as all good stories do, with a drawing of Charizard. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This stand is not going to... This is okay. Uh, so, uh, I went to college just down the street from here at DePaul University, and I lived in a very active, friendly dorm. Uh, I had a lot of friends in the dorm, and one of the days we were sitting in uh, my room, which was the sort of hangout room, and a dude was there with some of my friends that I'd never seen before. Um, and by the end of the night, we had chatted a bunch, and I had obtained a picture of Charizard. Uh, we were coloring, as all good freshmen do. Um, and some people you meet and you click with automatically, and you know this person is, like, going to be there the rest of your life. That was not what happened with Patrick. Uh, and not to say that we didn't get along, but he was just sort of a presence in my life. He was just someone I was around. Um, I didn't realize how much he would come to mean to me later. Um, so I spent four years of my life working, four and a half years um, working for DePaul's radio station. Um, and I had a short show on a very NPR-esque uh, three-hour block on Sundays called The Curious Sophisticate. And I had a... Uh, I had a... a some sort of uh, internet culture news type show. Um, so I took up a half an hour, and we had a slot that was open behind me. And so Patrick had showed interest. He does um, he did sound design in college. So I said, why the heck not? Come with me early on a Sunday morning um, and talk after me. And it only took about a month or two before our shows started to bleed together and before he would come onto my show to talk about my topics and I would come onto his show to talk about his topics. And before long, we had merged and became this ridiculous force for nerdery called the Mustache Crusader. So every Sunday, I would show up with a coffee in my hand. Patrick would show up with a naked juice. One of us would be late, maybe both. But we'd show up and we'd play ridiculous music and talk about the video game and comic book and movie and TV news from the week. Uh, and it became one of the greatest things that I got out of my college experience. Uh, we were lucky enough to win awards. We won best show on the station our senior year, which was a huge deal for us because we were this weird little podcast, a mix like hip hop and pop music shows. We were this weird, fledgling, like, podcast radio show. We covered C2E2 two years in a row, um, and I have spent many an hour sitting on the floor um, of C2E2, tucked in a corner with Patrick, talking into a mic, watching children in cosplay run by. Um, And he 
without me realizing what was happening, became my rock and became my best friend. And spending every Sunday morning for two years will do that to you with someone. Um, he will be the my he will be my man of honor one day when I get married. Um, we endlessly debate about the merits of Marvel versus DC, and he is wrong. Marvel is better. I can't wait for him to listen. When he listens to this, he's going to be very pissed. There was a lot of clapping. Um, uh, we, uh, we just really meshed. We were so tight. It was like, I'd never expected that. Um, and I was really lucky to have such an amazing best friend there with me all the time. When I graduated, I knew I was going to University of Dayton to do my master's out there, which was a really lucky experience, but I was prepared to move away from things. I already knew that I was going to be in a long distance relationship, um, with that sucker over there. Um, and I was mentally preparing myself for that. I knew it was coming. But what I didn't expect was how difficult it was going to be to be away from Patrick. He is from California originally um, and bemoans the East Coast where I'm from. Uh, and he moved back there after graduation. So while I was prepared to deal with a long-distance relationship, romantic relationship, I wasn't prepared for how difficult having a long-distance friendship would be. Um, and I'm kind of a shitty friend. Like... I, 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 I'm purposefully shitty to Dwight, but I'm accidentally sort of terrible to my other friends. I'm really bad at keeping contact. I'm really bad at keeping up with people. Um, and when Patrick moved and I moved, I was terrified that I was done, that like my best friend and I were going to no longer be tight anymore. Um, however, we, we still talk constantly. We're texting. We text every day. Um, normally about really stupid things. We had a conversation about popcorn and Sarah McLaughlin songs the other day, um, which if you follow me on Instagram, you got a piece of. Um, and it's just, I know how to be a friend to someone close and someone that I'm forced to see once a week for our radio show. I know how to be that sort of friend. I know how that sort of fellowship works. But I have been so lucky to learn what it means to be a friend to someone who's not there. Um, and I am so lucky to have him to teach me that lesson. So, Patrick, while you're listening to this on the podcast, Marvel's better. Yeah. Um, and I love you and I miss you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. It's important that we all understand that DC is just having a really hard time right now with creator relationships. And the thing is that, like, yes, right now Marvel is publishing more compelling content, but when you look at your bookshelf, what are you going to go back to? The Sandman, the Swamp Thing, the Watchmen, the Grant Morrisons. Truth! Well, you know, well, Grace was talking about how she got into, um, you know, like, alt comics, and for me, it was Sandman. Like, I think that's, that's how it is for a lot of people. You know, because it's kind of a gateway from superheroes to uh, creator-owned stuff. It's like, oh, Martian Manhunter's in this, Doctor Destiny's in this, but also this is like no, no other book I've ever read before. What so Hawkeye, bro? Hawkeye is fantastic. Well, I said right now Marvel's doing better stuff, but in the end, DC <laughs> is the eternal king for me. Anyway, with that said, thank you, Shelby. That was a very touching story and something that I think I could definitely stand to learn too is how to be a better friend to people who aren't there. So I'm going to reflect on that.
and go DC. Okay, guys, newcomer to your stories. We are really excited to have Jesse Nicholas here tonight. You know what that means. Sorry. I'm going to do some stand-up for you. Uh, uh, I belong here, I promise. Uh, uh, I assure you. Uh, last, last week, last week I, uh, I, the highlight of my week was that I, w- I was getting over a sinus infection and I did make it outside to read some comic books on the porch. Uh, I know, uh, I did feel weird reading Sandman outside though. That was the, 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 I said that because you mentioned Sandman. I felt I should bring it up. Um, guys, the Chicago comedy scene is, uh, surprisingly, like, supportive. It's, it's very much a, a, a brothers in arms kind of feel. Like, it's, it's very, it's very nice. It re- reminds me of, uh, when I used to work in kitchens a lot. Um, there's a lot of, of, like, after the show gets out, just sitting and chain smoking and talking shit for, like, hours. For about nothing. About absolutely nothing. And it's, it's, it's lovely. Um, but, but, Lately, lately I've been in kind of a funk, and I've been feeling on the on the outside uh, of a group of outsiders, which which is really weird. Uh, let me rewind. I I lost I lost my job in January, and uh, because of that, I had to cut my hair, and uh, I had a lot of hair. I hadn't cut it since I moved to Chicago for like, so like over a year. It was down past my shoulders, and. Uh, I miss it very dearly, uh, but apparently that was the last piece of a very convincing cool guy disguise that I didn't know about, and now I have to, like, like if I want to talk about anime, I have to, like, do some yelling about how there's an EpiPen in my coat pocket, and how this is a map about how if I get lost in space, I can find my way home, and shit like that. And it's it's very it's kind of frustrating because it, it I I don't like it. <laughs> I mean I love my hair I do, but it's 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 it is a little frustrating. Uh, <laughs> this is a bit I wrote about my hair. I I miss it. I miss I I loved it. It looked it was very curly and it looked like I I walked off the the. The cover of a nerdy romance novel. Like, like stuff with titles like, um, Eat Shit and Die. An Xbox Live romance. Or, uh, or, or Plus Five Charisma. A tale of polyhedral dice and boobies. I, I, I ghost wrote that one, you guys. I wrote that one. Uh, or, or my absolute favorite, um, Oh, my favorite title, The Most Enchanting Board Game Night. Stuff like that. Uh, wasn't that worth the wait? That was worth the wait, right? Yeah. But so, so I, I, I cut my hair and, uh, and it, it's all well and good, but I, 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 I don't know, like, if I, it's a very comedian question to, to, to ask, Am I no longer funny since I cut my hair? Not, no question of like, put, how much work have I been putting in? Maybe you should write more, Jesse. You should write more, Jesse. Uh, <laughs> but that's the question. And then it's, it's very odd because like, on one side, you don't want to be Samson. You want to be Brock Samson. Like, you, you, you don't want to lose your power. 
You want to lose your hair and then weaponize a dead shark to cut off someone's head. That's a very specific episode reference. I'm totally fine with that. Um, some of you really like it. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm so happy that I'm here, you guys. I love you all. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's... it So... When it really like started getting to me, when so I wrote this joke, and it it it's never done well, uh, but it 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 was it, I don't do a lot of one-liners, and this was one that I kind of felt like like this it spoke to me because I I, mo- I recently got backstory recently got my first girlfriend, yeah. It's very exciting. So I wrote this joke first, literally first. I'm 24. That's kind of sad. But, uh, <laughs> but I was, uh, I used to be, uh, okay. Ah, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> the joke goes thusly. Uh, have you guys ever had, uh, a dry spell last so long that you forgot about abdominal muscles? <laughs> right? Yeah. You wake up the next day and you're like, oh shit. Those aren't just for pretty people. And, and uh, I, I did that on stage, and one night uh, a, a fellow comedian came up to me and slinked out of the shadows like a drunk fortune teller, you know? like He's like, that joke's not going to sell well on stage, Jesse. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. He's like, that facial symmetry in your hair? No one's going to believe that you don't have sex. I was like, that was a that's a very real sad year for me. You're trivializing it. Yeah. And so and he continued cuz he was drunk. Uh and he said he said, "Jesse, I'm a garlic and onion bagel with peanut butter on it." And and you are a vanilla donut and everybody wants a bite. And I said I said, are those regulation tarot cards? Uh, I don't think that sounds right to me. Uh, he said, no, that's supposed to be a compliment. But, like, for me, I'm still the, the 22-year-old virgin that used to weigh 85 more pounds. And, like, like it doesn't make sense. Like, my the best part of my day, I wear giant-ass headphones almost everywhere. I get shit for it a lot because, like, what, accessory? No. Uh, that is my... Way of blocking out the horror, the horribly stupid people of the world. I'm just like, I'd rather be listening to comedy podcasts. Yeah, let's do this 24 uh, 7. So, so, like, the best part of my day is when I'm walking and I see a dog because I'm like, oh, finally, something that I feel appropriate smiling at. Awesome. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, he's like, it's, it's, it's meant to be a compliment. Uh, and he continues, like, I, I, I don't want to bite. I'm diabetic. I was like, that's a weird mixed metaphor, sir. Uh, but, yeah. It, it was just very weird. And the last thing I said to him was, please let go of my hand. Uh, uh, guys, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. I love you all. Thank you. Give it up for your host. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you very much, Jesse. Guys, stand-ups are always welcome, even though they've read to me like a horror story about cutting your hair. (laughs) 
I'll never do it. I'll never do it, Chris Geiger. One time, Chris Geiger introduced me at a show by saying, you know, I love Eric's hair, but unfortunately, I'm an adult and I can't have hair like that. <laughs> I'm in middle management, motherfuckers. <laughs> at a comic book store. You certainly said that. I promise that is a thing. That's true, I said Fair. So, Shelby, Shelby's story references gentlemen earlier. Mr. Chris Cornell. I'm sorry, Chris Crowell. <laughs> hey guys, it's nice to be back up here. Uh, your stories have meant a lot to me. Since I moved to Chicago, um, a lot of my favorite people I met in this space, and it's really safe. I always feel great being up here. Uh, I'm not a person that's always comfortable with silence. I will just fill it. Uh, I, it is, it is really, it has always been really hard for me to sit in a room with someone and not say anything. <laughs> he knows. He knows. Uh, he's, he can't. He can't make it out to the back porch to have a cigarette without me sneaking out of my room to bother him. Um, and uh, but I think that a lot of the closest, the times I felt closest to people in my entire life, uh, were just sitting around um, in that space after the words run out. Uh, that space between the things you can say or have to say. Uh, April twenty seventh, two thousand eleven. Uh, I was sitting on a women's toilet with my head in my hands with everyone else that worked in the health food store where I worked uh, while a tornado destroyed most of the town where I lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, And the things I remember most about that weren't the conversations because we couldn't really have any. We didn't have anything to say to each other. There were no words there. We walked outside and you sort of look at whoever's around you and just nod. It's like, yup. Fuck. Uh, and it was a really strange four or five days. I mean, it took them a long time to put town back together and it still doesn't look uh, anything like what I remember. I moved shortly after. Um, but the moments that really stick with me are... Uh, me and two of my friends, I made it to their house. I couldn't get home um, because all the roads were full of people's houses. Um, and uh, and my car was running out of gas. So we had to eat everything in their fridge because it was all going to be bad the next day. And we weren't sure when we'd be able to get a hold of food worth eating for a while. Uh, and so I just made uh, chicken on the grill with pineapple and sriracha. We call it tornado chicken. I like to cook it at least once a year now. <laughs> but um, but we just we just ate there, sort of staring. It's like five adult people. Just all you can hear is cheering, and uh, all you can hear is chewing, and we're just staring at the floor. And you feel really close because there's just nothing to say. Just just no reason. Nothing you could say could make the situation any better, and none of us are going to be able to make any sense of it for a long time. And I think some of us are just now getting to a point where it makes any sense to see something, to have seen something like that happen. The next day, I made it back to my house, and we had everybody over, uh, and just built a big fire in the backyard, and drank beers, and it was just crickets, and chainsaws, and crackling fire. And that's it. 
And that's all that we needed. Just being able to look across a yard at somebody and say, hey man, we're both here. And I think silence is super overrated as a way to be really, really close to people. And it's important to remember not to fill it. And I love everybody in this room, uh, even the ones I haven't met yet, because your story is this family. Um, and I just want everybody to know that when you get to that place where the words run out and you just want to sit in your living room and listen to your air conditioner for four or five hours, just so that someone else can share that silence with you, call me up and I will sit on that couch and not say a fucking word, I promise. (laughs) And I'll be perfectly comfortable doing that Uh, because I love you guys. And silence is definitely a way to feel close when you just don't need or can't find the words. Thanks, guys. Telling stories, dude. Thank you very much for that. All right, guys, we have one more guest from Cake here. Uh, we have a few flyers for Cake too, if you'd like one and would like to go to it. And hey, hang out with me and Kevin for a day. It'll be super fun. We'll probably get ice cream and and just be bros for a day. We will. <laughs> Kevin, ice cream or frozen yogurt? Uh, probably ice cream, but I have to admit I'm leaning more toward froyo these days. Top your own froyo bars with the shit, dude. Anyway, Beth Hedlund. <laughs> I'm totally uh, terrified. I'm a cartoonist, and I like to sit alone at a table talking to paper. So here I am. Uh, Again, my name is Beth, um, and I did something totally strange for my post-secondary degree. I went to a school called the Center for Cartoon Studies, which is an all-comic book grad program in the middle of nowhere, Vermont. You have no choice when you're in Vermont, especially at this school, but to spend your time eating, breathing, sleeping, bleeding, and shitting comics. Uh, During my time there, I met a lot of really incredible people, and one of them being uh, my professor, Steve Bissett, who did the pencils on 1980s Swamp Thing, for any of you OG fans. That's right. That guy knows my name. Uh, It's a seminal work in comics, guys. very lucrative. <laughs> I'm being facetious. Um, but he has this phenomenally vast collection of bizarre and obscure movies. And so every week he would host a movie night. And they were they were very well attended, um, even though he would frequently show us things that we couldn't unsee. Um, truly unique cinematic experiences. But um, after I graduated, Steve came up to me and said, Beth, I found what movie I'm going to play for your last movie night. So when I show up that week, he announces he's going to be screening a film from 1981 starring Ed Harris, and it's called, shit you not, Night Riders, one word with a K. Uh, anyone seen this film? I don't know. Okay, great. Fabulous. So it's directed by George A. Ramiro, who you may know from Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, and Land of the Dead, etc. Um, and the movie poster for Night Riders, let me paint this for you, is a fully grown Ed Harris, painted, not photographed, painted, um, wearing medieval armor, or as, as a knight, if you will, holding a jousting pole, rod, stick, I don't know, jousting 
thing on top of a motorcycle. <laughs> let that let that really like sink into your mind. The tagline for this film and for this poster is Camelot is a state of mind. <laughs> Classic. This got made. Somebody like heard this, wrote this, approved this, paid for this. Like this is real. Okay, I'm not joking. Uh, but if you ever get a chance to find it, it's truly a gem. It's a, a film about a ragtag medieval reenactment troupe, specifically jousters, <laughs> who ride motorcycles, travel the countryside, perform, and live as a makeshift family. The plot of the movie is not important for the story. Uh, but what is important is why on Middle Earth did Steve say this? This is the one film Beth must see before she leaves Vermont and enters the cartooning universe. So I sit in the dark of this uh, screening room, which is just like an empty classroom that smells like asbestos. And I'm surrounded by nerds watching Ed Harris joust people on the back of a motorcycle. And it clicks. I realize why this movie is perfect and is the best thing that could have been picked for me. Is that this group of weirdos were all the same type of weirdo. It's not enough to be in the Knight Rider's troop just because you like motorcycles. It's not enough to be a Knight Rider just because you particularly enjoy jousting. It is definitely not enough just because you dress up in full medieval garb and wander the countryside. You have to be the perfect cocktail of all three of these things. I believe that's what Steve is trying to show me, is the value and importance of finding your particular type of community. The Knight Riders found theirs. Beth, now go find yours. So flash forward to the Beth of last week, um, and I just came back from a comic book convention in Toronto where a large contingency of my people were all converging to attend. Um, even though it's been a year or longer since I had seen or talked to some of these folks, they felt like home, like a lot of people are talking about. Um, there's no need to worry that my Simpsons joke won't land. <laughs> they don't, I, they got it. <laughs> they could tell, they could tell me the episode and season number. Um, there's a certain feeling you have when you find the people that are your people. That you found your own traveling troop of medieval motorcycle jousters. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> so, being here as sort of a cake representative and cartoonist, um, comic book conventions feel like a giant family reunion to me, and you've all let me into your family tonight, which is awesome. Um, and I get to hang out with these folks who fully understand the struggle and the triumphs of what I'm driven to do. Um, it doesn't necessarily stop all the worrying and anxiety of creating work, but it definitely helps to quiet the concerns. And this tribe, regardless of their location, they're, you know, Australia, Berlin, all over the world, um, they, they still travel with me and are a constant reminder of the fact that there are other people sitting at desks quietly listening to Lord of the Rings audiobooks uh, <laughs> and talk, talking to their paper. Um, and it makes me feel good knowing that they're out there too. Um, and I would gladly add my sword or bow or axe to help any of these folks achieve any seemingly impossible task they set out for, even if that means following them to the gates of Mordor and back. I'll be right there by their side. Thank you very much.
Thank you so much, Beth. That man, I truly to me an honor to have someone from the the cartoon study school here. That is amazing. Also, I could go on and on about Alan Moore's Swamp Thing. I, I actually and Alan Moore, Steve said John Totalbent, and Todd John Wood, uh, the colorist who stayed for all forty some issues. I actually have two copies of the first volume. If anyone would like to read it, I highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, I guess. No, Spider, um, Batman, yeah, Green yeah, Lantern. Yeah. One of the best moments in that series involves Batman, though. It's, oh, it's so fucking good. Um, I digress. We have one more story for tonight. The, the founders, the CEOs, if you will, the Nerdalogs, are going to speak for a moment. Chris Geiger and Kevin Reader. Yeah, let's have a seat, man. So this, fellow, this is all fellowship, yada yada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 man, yeah. Right, right. This is why we Whatever. do this. This is why we do this. It's like Stadler and Waldorf right now. Uh, when, uh, when Steve joined the Nerdalogs, uh, he made a really bold proclamation. Steve Persh, the guy who spoke earlier at the very beginning of this, made a very bold proclamation. I'm not here for friends. I'm here to do work. I respect him a lot for that. (laughs) And since he joined, he wrote some of our more classic sketches. Uh, Willpower, specifically of note, is a sketch that sticks in my brain all the time. Directed a few shows, made not one, but two websites, uh, built a system for us to upload all of our stupid shit on the internet, as well as put pull all of your stories into easily di- downloadable clips for your consumption and sharing with, I don't know, your parents or something. Uh, <laughs> right? Something you would do. Yeah. So work, work he did. Uh, but I take umbrage with the not here to make friends statement. Case in point, allow me to tell you something about Steve Persh, the friend you see. You see, uh, a, game, a secret game of mine has always been to make Steve laugh. Uh, it's easy to make you idiots laugh. And while I've accomplished a task of making Steve laugh a couple of times, nothing, and I have umbrage with this, nothing has done it better than a sketch that our friend Joe Gennaro wrote for an old show we call, the sketch was called Dodo Dum Dum. Now, I fucking hate this sketch. Yeah. This, this sketch has its fans, Steve, and its foes, us. Uh, I think you can see the dividing line here. So as a send-up to Steve, uh, and he's not really leaving, which is why we're not doing like a big like to-do sort of thing, but it's yeah. still appropriate to uh, take a nod as you just move a couple hours north. Uh, as a send-up to Steve, its most ardent fan, uh, Kevin and I are going to do a two-man reading of a six-person sketch. <laughs> <laughs> that neither of us... Wait. <laughs> Are you mad that we're they were doing a two man reading of it, or that we lampooned it? Yes. <laughs> no, I really don't hate it that much. It was just for dramatic effect. Yeah. Cool. Now, you're not truly going, Steve. But remember, you got some friends who are willing to do anything for you. So. Uh, 
<laughs> Dodo I'm trying to remember all of the characters. Yeah, so there's five part, or there's six six characters, six actors were involved in this, and I was not one of them. Uh, so lights up on five dodos standing in a semicircle. I know it sucks, but we have to accept it. We are the last five dodos on Earth. Why did everyone else die? Because those stupid dodos wouldn't adapt like the other species. Well, that means that none of us have adapted either, yet, dummy. Oh. But it's too late. We can come up with new ways to help us survive. That's why we're here. We're supposed to see what we've come up with so far and see if we can brainstorm anything else. And again, brainstorm? Well, that's where you keep talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking and talking until your words storm out the other person's brain. Yeah, and it works better when you stand in a semicircle. Semicircle, 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 semicircle. Now who wants to go... First. Oh, pick me. I see some animals run around really fast, so I thought, how can we speed up? So I took the claws out of my feet. Great idea. Yeah, but don't we need those to pick up food and rocks and to stay on branches? Whatever, man. YOLO. Oh. <laughs> uh, what's a YOLO? I literally have no idea. <laughs> Whatever a YOLO is or isn't, we need more ideas to stay alive. Okay. So, I see some animals that don't get eaten at all, and they have bright colors. So, I thought, why not make ourselves brighter? And he holds up a bright pattern. <laughs> oh, that's a great idea! That way they know we're poisonous! I didn't know we were poisonous! Uh, duh. Otherwise, that would just draw a predator's attention, and I wouldn't have any other defenses, so that would be pretty dumb. <laughs> Enter animal. The animal runs across the stage, grabs that dodo, and carries them off stage. <laughs> YOLO! <laughs> okay, so now we're the last four dodos on Earth. Hey, that's more than we had before! How did we get so many more dodos? I literally have no idea. The important thing right now is that you, the one lady dodo, survive. You are our last chance to procreate. So I can measure angles and I'm shaped like a semicircle? <laughs> semicircle, 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 semicircle. No, dummy, that's a protractor. And we need you because none of us can have a baby. Yeah, we need you so we can uh, put our... Into your... Uh-huh. <laughs> Actually, us dodos do not have external genitalia. Us guys have a hole that we put it into the girl's hole. And we just kind of rub them on each other. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's all put rocks in our holes. <laughs> we all run around yeah, putting rocks, rocks in our holes. Why are we doing this again? <laughs> I literally have no idea. YOLO! Blackout. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Okay. 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 Physicality was key in that scene. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really like 
that sketch. And speaking of physicality, when the female Dodo, played by me, said, uh-oh, it was because I had been squatting and holding a bunch of rocks between my thighs for the entire sketch and dropped them out at that point, indicating I protected my Dodo vagina with rocks. <laughs> Dress the whole show for that bitch. <laughs> this has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.